It's the Stinkin' Truth Podcast with Mark Schlereth. Presented by Sweet Sweat. Hey guys, welcome into the Stinkin' Truth Podcast. Uh, Mark Schlereth alongside Mike Evans, Scott DeHuff producing the show. Want to make a special shout out to our uh, presenting sponsor, the great folks over at Sweet Sweat. Sweet Sweat, you can check them out uh, online, on Twitter, on um, Instagram at SweetSweat.com as well. All those social mar- our social media marketing platforms. Um, great folks over there. Exercise gear, all kinds of stuff, uh, supplements, you name it. They have got it. Use it all the time. It is great stuff. My daughter actually works at the company, right? So they are sponsoring the podcast. We appreciate them so much. And by the way, we're going to have a special segment at the end of this question mark. Hit us up with your questions, your NFL questions, any questions you want um, if we answer we'll answer several of them and then we'll pick a winner and you'll get a $75 gift bag an exercise gift bag from the folks at sweet sweat so it's a really cool prize um, and we'll get that out to you so Mike how you doing buddy good good still uh still wrapping my mind around the idea that Tom Brady's now a Tampa Bay Buccaneer you know saying it just feels weird and he had his introductory teleconference call with the Tampa media and just listening to him talk as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer just just so strange just hard to kind of fathom right now it, it you know what it really is um it is it is craziness Mike that that Tom Brady is now no longer in New England and it's certainly you know, it certainly feels like, I don't know about you, but it feels like, hey, you guys haven't wanted to do a long-term deal with me. Uh, you wanted to go year by year with me, and, you know, because of my age and everything else. But it, it certainly feels a little bit like Tom Brady said, hey, I'm going to test free agency, guys. I'm testing free agency, and it's it's like I want I want a long-term commitment. I told you I want to play until I'm 45. I want a three-year deal here, and, and let's make this happen. And it was the perfect out for Bill Belichick. Hey, you want a free agency? You got it, buddy. And um, I think I can win without you. So uh, good riddance. You know, it's I. I think you said it earlier. He drew a line in the sand and said, "Hey, man, you know, don't, don't, you know, I'm not crossing." Okay, wait a minute. New line in the sand. Like here, I wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, and 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 the New England Patriots just basically said, "We want to." We don't want you anymore. We're, we're moving on from you, right? Like, we're done with you, Tom. And, and it, doesn't it feel that way? Oh, th- this notion that, you know, Brady left the Patriots? Come on. If the Patriots had offered him a, a two-year deal like the one he got from Tampa, I think he stays. But Belichick made it clear that he wanted to go year-to-year with Tom and – uh, you know, Tom at this at this stage was like, I got to feel the love. I'm not feeling the love from Bill. And, right. you know, there you go. And, you know, we'll, we'll find out if Brady's putting up Pro Bowl numbers for the next two years in Tampa and the Patriots are going seven and nine or seven and ten with Jared Stidham, then we'll 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 have our answer. But I- until then, I, I think Belichick's got to be given the benefit of the doubt here. Yeah, I, I you know I, I think this was I think for me Mike it, it really is easy to kind of mitigate your responsibility towards Tom Brady as part of your franchise. You know I know New England Patriot fans are angry and they'd like to see Tom Brady finish his career out here, but as an organization you can sit there and say, hey, listen, um, 
he wanted to test free agency and um and so we let him do that and that was his wishes and we kind of wash our hands and it's no longer our responsibility but certainly i think i think the age factor rolled in there i think the fact that tom brady um you know the tom brady in in some people's eyes isn't what he once was um not necessarily in my eyes but but that factors in to some degree but i really think it comes down to more than anything is that bill belichick wants to go out there and prove which many other coaches haven't been able to prove i can win regardless i can win listen you know the, the old debate is it tom brady or is it bill belichick I really feel there's enough ego with Bill Belichick that that he's saying it's me. Hey guys, it's me. And uh, the way we coach players, the way we develop players. Um, remember, I dumped a first round quarterback after he got hurt to go with Tom Brady, 199th overall in the draft, the sixth rounder. I kept him on the roster with three other quarterbacks. He was my fourth quarterback because I saw something and I coached him up and I, you know, I took him under my wing and I can do that again. Well, Bill may believe that to you. I don't. I I don't believe you could just move on from Tom Brady and think that you could just plug and play another quarterback in there and – Bill will will it into existence. I don't either. I, I, I don't either. I don't think all of a sudden Jared Stidham is going to be, you know, is going to be Tom Brady reincarnate. I, I, I think there's something special about a guy that not only has that work ethic. You know, the thing that blows me away about Tom Brady, here he is, what, 20 years into his career, and he isn't, and, and, and a six-time Super Bowl champion, and and been to the Super Bowl what nine times, um, I, that he's not sated by his success. You know, it is so hard, Mike. It is so hard when you've had success and you have money, and you've accomplished everything there is to accomplish, to to not be kind of apathetic, to not just let it like, oh, I'll, I'll get to, hey man, I already know it, so I don't have to grind or prepare like I used to prepare. Like Tom Brady prepares harder now than he did when he was in his 20s um, because he knows he has to physically, but mentally he is, he has never kind of hung his hat on, oh, I know this, I, I don't have to look at stuff. And I've told you this before, I've told you on this podcast, man, I, I was talking to Danny Amendola and Danny Amendola told me, he goes, listen man, we get done with a game and, you know, we're all getting our lunch boxes and, you know, our, our, our little lunch box that has a sandwich and an apple and a cookie and a bag of chips in it. It's it's standard operating procedure. Anybody who's ever played in the NFL will tell you about the on the road lunch box after the, uh, you know, after the game is over. You step on the bus, you grab a couple of beers or sodas or whatever it is you drink and um, and you sit there and you reminisce and you talk and you and you mix it up with your buddies. And he said they'd walk on the bus and Tom Brady would be looking at the next opponent studying film like you just got done with the game and you know they didn't lose very often and so you know you get done with the game there's no time to celebrate I'm on to the next opponent you know I'm on to Cincinnati for crying out loud like that's Tom Brady not to be sick uh, to be satisfied or satiated by your success is what blows me away um, you know about Tom Brady in general and that's just not going to happen with any like you just can't plug any quarterback in there and go see we'll be fine I don't buy that how does he how does he fit with Bruce Arians because Tom Brady has had only a a couple of coordinators what Charlie Weiss Bill O'Brien and and Josh McDaniels 
uh, over the course of 20 years. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, as those years have gone by, the offense was was groomed. It was tailored around what Brady liked to do, what he was comfortable with, not comfortable. Now he's going to work with Bruce Arians, a guy who is, you know, no risk it, no biscuit, right? So right. I know that Arians has had a lot of success with the quarterbacks he's worked with. Some really, I mean, Peyton Manning and, and Ben Roethlisberger and, and, and Andrew Locke and, and Carson Palmer. But isn't it to be expected that there, there might be some, some rough patches early on as these two try to get on the same page? Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's always going to be there's always going to be like there's always going to be some some conflict or some differences or some some you know belief issues or or whatever that is, Mike. I, I think that like Byron Leftwich and Bruce Arians and Tom Brady are all mature enough and they've been around enough to know what they like and what they dislike, right? And then it comes down to let's get together because I, you know I know Bruce Arians pretty well. And, and Bruce Arians is one of those guys that has certainly has his opinion of what he wants to be able to do and what he wants to be able to accomplish. He's also one of those guys that's a keep it simple, stupid guy. Like, it's it's not that complicated, guys. You know, it, it is just football. Throw it to the open dudes. Get some guys open. Now, you look at Tampa Bay, man, they have got all kinds of talent. I mean, all kinds of talent. And so, you know, it really comes down to Tom – what do you like? Like, here's here's what we like to run. And I've told you this before. I had a meeting with John Harbaugh who was, you know, putting in the offense and, and changing kind of the dynamic of what they do in Baltimore. And, and he said to me in a meeting, he goes, you know, Mark, we have not developed a new passing concept in the league in 25 years. It, it's all the same stuff. Everybody runs the same stuff. So, hey, Tom, what do you like? Like, what is what concepts do you like? What do you feel most comfortable with against what coverages and blah, 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 blah. And let's put all that stuff in. And here's what we like. And let's meld these things together. Hey, we like this. You like this. Bam. It's part of the offense. We love this. You don't like it. Bam. We'll we'll eliminate it. Um, or, or can we adjust it to, to your to your liking? But Bruce is smart enough to understand what what Tom can do, what he does exceptionally well, and um, and and kind of what he wants to do as an offense. And so, will there be will, will there be an adjustment period? Yeah, there there'll be somewhat of an adjustment period. But here's the thing: they they all really understand offense. They're all very bright when it comes to what they like and what they dislike, and they'll be able to get that done. I, I believe that that's going to be fairly seamless. It'll take a little time, but it'll be fairly seamless. So remember that game we used to play when we were kids? Uh, duck, uh, Musical cheer, chairs, right? So yeah. everybody starts to walk around the chairs, and the music's playing, and then as soon as the music stops, we all go diving for that chair, and one person gets left out, and they get knocked out of the game. Right. So Brady's in Tampa. Philip. Rivers is with the Colts. Meanwhile, you got Jameis Winston out there. You got Cam Newton out there. Uh, the likelihood is you'll have Andy Dalton out there at some point once the uh, Bengals likely choose Joe Burrow. So who ends up where and who gets left out when the music right. stops playing? Well, I, you know, it, interestingly enough, I mean, you look at the quarterbacks that are out there. Um, you know, Cam Newton just what four years ago was the MVP of the league, Mike? 
Right? Cam Newton was the MVP of the league yeah. in Carolina in 2015. And, and now here we enter 2020, and Cam Newton is by no means assured a starting quarterback job in the NFL. Now, obviously, coming off of back-to-back years where he was injured, um, I think he started 11-12 games in in 2018, but he was really playing hurt the last – like, he was really good for about the first six weeks, and he really played hurt after that until they finally shut him down. And then last year, missing the – pretty much the entirety of the season, I think he played in a couple of games with that foot injury. So, like – I think you would have to be very concerned if you're an NFL team because really when you look at Cam Newton, what what has really led him to the majority of his success is the fact that he's a physical specimen, right? So you're going, okay, wait a minute. Now, what if he no longer is the physical specimen he once was? What if he can no longer play like that? He's never been a top-notch quarterback when it comes to just pure quarterbacking and accuracy and all those things. You know, he's a 59% completion percentage guy over the course of his career, which in today's football is just, you know, it's just not good enough. And so I, I think there's a I think there's a lot of that that's going on, Mike, that you have to kind of, you know, you got to kind of be careful about, right? And so that to me is that to me is one of the things that that you're looking at with Cam Newton. So that said, I, I would look at Cam Newton and say, okay, what makes sense for Cam Newton? And and there's a couple things. Like you're going to give be given a chance to compete for a starting job, but you're not going to be given a starting job. So if it's the Chargers, like that makes sense to me. The Chargers would would take that over and give him an opportunity to compete with Tyrod Taylor, and they need to sell tickets in Los Angeles and all that stuff. I think Cam Newton would fit that bill. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, come in and compete with Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew was was all the rage, but come on, we're not a very good organization right now. We're not a very good football team. We had all kinds of strife last year. We ended up dumping, you know, Tom Coughlin, who was the guru of football operations. We dumped him. We kept Marone, but you're on notice um if you don't win this year you're going to be gone too so that that's a that that's kind of a an unstable situation and then i think lastly like i would look at the miami dolphins you're probably going to take tua but you don't know like you can't you can't like the draft is the draft is there's it's an uncertain time you can't you don't get a poke and you don't get a prod you don't get to fly around to your doctors and your specialists and you've got to trust what you see on on flipping Instagram and Twitter videos, right? And what you've seen on film and and what your your combine evaluation of him was and you got to make a you got to make a move. So, you know, maybe you take a guy like Cam Newton and you say, "Hey Cam, it's going to be yours until Tua is 100% ready to go." And and but those are I think those are the options that you get and whether that's Jameis or whether that's Cam Newton, I I just don't think there's a lot of options for those guys. Um, they're gonna they're gonna have to re-earn their opportunity to be starters in this league. You just summed up what NFL general managers are apparently sharing with the NFL about their concerns about holding the draft on time, uh, the idea of being able to evaluate these players and do the pro days and be able to poke and prod and do the physicals and the interviews, so much so that the NFL general managers subcommittee voted to pass along to Roger Goodell that they would like to see the draft moved, moved back. And the league responded by saying, nope, the plans are to still go on schedule April 23rd through the 25th. Do these NFL general managers have a valid point? 
Yeah, I mean, that to me, do they have a valid point that it's going to be harder, you know, or whatever? Yeah, yeah. You know what I say to them? Do your freaking job. Do your job. Like, I think this is a, I think this is an excellent time for most general men. Like, these are the guys, to me, the guys that complain are the guys that don't want to look at film. They want to quantify everything by 40 times and bench press tests, you know, and get, hey, let me just go get the best athletes. Let me, let me go through this draft on a stopwatch basis. And all this, to me, all this baloney, Mike, about, oh, uh, you know, we need to get the, uh, you know, we need to interview this guy. Like, most of these kids have left school. They have done nothing but prepare for this time they've got coaches that are that they're coaching through answering questions that that might come up and all this other garbage and all this other baloney and you know what you really need to do you need to lock yourself in your film study room and watch guys play and then make a decision about whether a guy can play or whether he can't play I mean, isn't that the bottom line I think that I think that so much of the draft like for instance the first round of the draft is still a 50-50 proposition at best. 50% of these guys, one, it's probably more like a 30-70 proposition. 30% of them become like all-stars, superstars. 70% of them, probably another 30% become, okay, good starters, but that's it. And then, you know, and then the the other, what's left over after that? Oh, gosh. Uh-oh, math. Oh, no. Here I we went 30-30, so 40%. 40%, yes. It's sort of 40% of them are busts, right? Like, uh, they're busts. So, I mean, the, the bottom line is, man, do your homework, study your film, quit using you quit using everything else, like quit using 40 times and stopwatches and, and you know, all the other stuff as – as qualifiers so you can you can mitigate your responsibility for picking people well hey listen man he ran a super fast 40 um if he can't play that's the coach's fault that's not my fault you know so um like that's that's the way i would look at that stuff mike and i think this is a great opportunity because i think the greatest i think the best film evaluators the teams that evaluate film the best have the best opportunities they do every year to hit rich in the draft. And and and, and I do think it's an, an opportunity for you to quit um, you know, paralysis by analysis and 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 actually dive into what matters. And that's the tape. That's what matters. Yeah, so we shall see. I it, and the other thing too and we, we, you and I had this discussion right here on this podcast when the NFL decided to go ahead with free agency, despite you had uh, some off-the-record owners and general managers saying that they thought the optics on it looked bad, that this was not the right time to be doing something like this. Mm-hmm. Well, we've been into free agency now about two weeks, right? And right. Let, let me just speak on, on my own behalf, but I have a sense I'm speaking on a lot of people's behalf listening. Thank you, NFL for doing what you've done, because it has proven to be a distraction. Uh, You can only spend so much time listening and watching the news before getting really down, depressed, and anxious and angry. And so the fact that throughout all of this, I've had a chance to escape with you to talk about it, to be able to go online, read the latest moves, go on Twitter and see how people are reacting and debating some of these moves. I think it has been 
a much-needed diversion and distraction. And I, I hope and, and, and I call on the NFL to continue to do business as usual. And if it means that some NFL general managers are, are put at, at a disadvantage because they don't feel like they can prepare like they have in the past, well, guess what? These are extraordinary times. And people are doing things differently than they normally would. And if that means conducting a draft differently than you normally would, well, then so be it. But I think that I speak for everybody out there, or at least most everybody out there, that the NFL has proven to be a worthwhile distraction throughout all this. Don't stop. I I, I completely agree. I mean, the, the, there's so much. There's so much from an information standpoint. I'm on information overload, right? And there's so much information about COVID nineteen, and you know, and and there's so there's so many varying opinions about you know about kind of where we are i I mean and you and i have talked about this a bunch i mean i would much rather kind of be be overreactive if you will and, and be and be super careful and do everything they say as opposed to being like oh it's no big deal you know they're just making a you know they're making it a bigger deal than than they are but i do appreciate the distraction because you know, I think you you get on sensory overload. You watch so much of the news, and so much of it is depressing. And um, and you know, you try to inform yourself as much as possible. But there comes a time where you got to turn the TV off, right? And you're like, I can't watch that, or you got to switch the channel. I can't watch it anymore. And this free agency has been a big distraction. It's been a good distraction. It's been um, it's been a a moment or you know a time of normalcy in in the craziest time. I think that most of us have ever lived through, right? So, you know, to me, I think it's been great. And I'm glad that I'm glad, um, regardless of what they thought about the optics, I'm glad they went through with it because it did give us a little bit of normalcy to and, and something other than COVID-19 to talk about. So for that, I'm glad. All right. You ready to do some uh, question marks here? I, you know, I am, Mike, and I, I tried to send these to you, and for whatever reason, um, our cell phones don't seem to want to communicate when I send you large files of pictures and things of that nature. So um, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna read them, and then we'll answer them together. How does that? Let's sound? do it. All right. So here we go. A couple of question marks. Let me just find some good ones. Um, um, you need effort and, music? Yeah. No. Okay. I've got. I've got one. Hold on. Let me see where this this was because I think it's. Uh, um, I think this one was was potentially. You know what a, you should do in the future. What's I'm that? just kind of you know thinking out loud. Uh-huh. Is anytime you throw out on Twitter a question mark, make sure you tag me in the in the tweet. That way I'm seeing all the questions that are coming in, no? See that would be a mu- that would have been a much better that would have been a much better use of uh of this because obviously what I'm doing is not really working right now. <laughs> um so you're just gonna have to you're just gonna have to hang with me right now. Okay. Um better record this is great. This is from Luis Garcia. Better record for 2020, Brady or Belichick? I'll Ooh. defer to you. Ooh. Well, let's see. The Patriots still play in a division that has a, a lot to prove. The Jets with Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. The Dolphins with whomever's playing quarterback. Buffalo, Buffalo's legit. Buffalo's yeah. legit now. 
Um, but I still have questions about their offense. For all the talk about Josh Allen, it was still an offense that was ranked, I think, 22nd or 23rd in the NFL in scoring. So he's still got a lot to prove. Uh, I'm going to still say the Patriots because they still have that defense. They still have a solid offensive line. They still have that stable of running backs. And... In Tampa, we don't know how Brady's going to adjust for, for for being with somebody different for the first time in 20 years. Plus, there is, oh, by the way, that guy named Breeze. There's actually real – Tom Brady, for the first time in 20 years, actually has a legitimate quarterback and team to contend with in his own division. Think about that. Yeah, that that is amazing. Really? In Although, like 20 years? Although I am going to, I'm going to disagree with you on this. I think, I think Brady has, I think there's so many weapons in Tampa right now. I think with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and uh, Jones in the backfield and the two tight ends they have and OJ Howard and Cameron Brate, I think he has got weapons galore. I think that offense is going to be tremendous. I did a couple of games from Tampa last year late in the season. Their defense was much improved. What you have to understand about their defense under Todd Bowles is they're going to be a blitzing, aggressive defense. They're going to create turnovers. They're going to get you the opportunity with some short fields and things of that nature. They'll give up some big plays. But toward the end of the season, their defense was, I mean, they were money. And they are littered with nothing but young players. Okay, but would you agree with me, though? Would you agree with me that the Patriots, no matter who they play a quarterback, will probably be able to fall out of bed and win nine games? Yes. Then you're telling me that Tampa's going to win ten games? Yes. Well, 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 Tampa Tampa had a chance. Tampa was chasing. Hey, Jameis Winston turned the ball over 39 times last year, and they were chasing the playoffs. Okay, but you're you're saying that Tampa will win 10. Brady last year in a much easier division – and with with a system and with with a support cast that he was entirely comfortable with, one twelve. You're telling me he's going to go down to Tampa. I, I get some of the pieces on paper, the the talent and everything, but still, new scenario, tougher division. He's going to win ten. Mm. I don't I don't think there's I don't think there's any question. All right, well this is, I don't think there's any question. He gets make a bet on this. You get the Brady bump. The Brady he will bump. he will he'll win four games just on looks alone. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just on his looks alone, that's worth four games, Mike. All right. We're going to have to make a bet on this one. What did, they win last? what did Tampa win last? Did they win seven or eight last year? Seven. So four, you got 11 right there just on looks. He walks in there because he's so doggone devastating. Man, they went 11. I'm going to have to get another tattoo, I think. Yes, you are. Like, you need to get the, the – you've seen the, the uh, old – they bring back the old – Tampa Bay Pirate, right? Yep, the yep. old swashbuckler. Oh, I got to get that but as the Brady's, Yeah, but it's Brady's face on there. Yeah, we might be onto something. That would be a great looking tattoo. Hey, listen, let me tell you what. Every time you take your shirt off, your wife would be like, hey, big guy. <laughs> hey, I don't think fella. so. I'm going to need a lot more than that. All right. All right. All right, another question from Question Mark. Do you think the Dallas Cowboys should go with Cam Newton over Dak? That comes from um, that comes from Mark. Uh, funny. There's a funny. Um, what is it? GIF. It's a GIF that makes. Yeah. It's just doesn't. It's just a picture, right? Right. So there's a funny GIF going around, and all it says it's it says the, it has the Dallas Cowboys star and the Lombardi Trophy. 
separated and says social it. distancing. Yes, yeah, social. They've been they hey they've been social distancing way before way social distancing before. was even a yeah, thing. Before we even knew about it, they were keeping it. They were keeping a clear distance from the Lombardi Trophy for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, no, Dak. Dak Prescott, if you look at his first four years in the league, he's been he's been terrific mm-hmm. with with the numbers he's put up. And I think he's only going to get better and better. Cam Cam Newton is you know, you're you're hoping to get maybe one or two more good years out of Cam Newton. I think Dak Prescott's got another decade, decade plus of being an excellent quarterback. Nah, to me that's a no brainer. Dak. Yeah. I'm I'm with, I'm not even gonna spend a lot of time on this. That that to me is an absolutely no-brainer because Dak Prescott's just a more accurate. He's just a a better passer of the football. I I, I mean, there's no other way to explain that, Mike. There, I mean, absolutely no other way to explain it. I think so, the thing you you make a great point about about Newton is it's that he he appeals to a, a team that that doesn't really clearly have an answer at quarterback and, and could use a, a bit of a, a front off, a bit of a, a you know box office bump and uh, or would or be a terrific quarterback to have with the idea that you are grooming somebody uh, to to come up behind him. So yeah, I love your Jacksonville Miami uh, Charger possibilities. I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I think so as well. All right, this one comes in from BT. Uh, I'm going to K-O-C-I-A-N. Is it BT cocaine with a K? Um, I don't know, but um, I'm going to go with this question because I think it's good. Can you please explain the moves that Bill O'Brien has made with the Houston Texans? <laughs> oh, that's all yours, baby. Go ahead. I can't. Listen, I can't. I can't either. I don't know. I, I I legitimately don't know what's going on. When you look at what the Minnesota Vikings got, for Stephon Diggs, a guy who, you know, sometimes you, you don't know if he's going to show up to practice or not one day after the next, you know? I mean, a guy that you've had to babysit. They got a first-rounder, what, a fourth, a fifth, and a sixth or something like that. I mean, it's something crazy, Mike. It's absolutely crazy. I think it's a first, a fifth, and a sixth or something. And maybe they swap fourth-rounders. But the bottom line, you took you, – you traded away one of the top three receivers in all of football – in DeAndre Hopkins for a second rounder, essentially. You swap fourth rounders, a second rounder, and a running back the Arizona Cardinals were going to cut. I mean, you're, you're kidding me, right? David Johnson, like David Johnson has had injuries, and, and he may have been a great player at one time in 2016, but I'm telling you, I've done a bunch of Arizona games, and, and I'm telling you, Mike, on film, there are times where he busts four or five things a game where he just doesn't want to be – he's not a willing participant when it comes to blitz pickup. He just doesn't want to be involved. And and maybe it's because of the injuries, and maybe he doesn't feel comfortable, whatever the case may be. But the Arizona Cardinals were going to cut him. They were going to cut him. And they traded him and got DeAndre Hopkins. Him in a second rounder. You, like you have, I don't. I've no. Like I have no idea what Bill O'Brien's doing. You know, it's been speculated that Bill O'Brien actually works for the New England Patriots still, and that he's just making sure that they. You know, I, I don't know that that's true. I, I, I think it's probably not true. But this, you can't explain. You cannot explain this trade away. There's no other than maybe he doesn't get along and he doesn't see eye to eye and he got pissed. But like this is you're giving away you're giving away one of the most valued assets in in football for essentially nothing for an unknown commodity second rounder. 
Like, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. By the way, you know, you look at Steve Kime, who's the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, right? And he's taken a lot of heat. He has taken a lot of heat. But you want to talk about going from the outhouse to the penthouse? Like, the, the, the nature, the what-have-you-done-for-me-lately nature of the National Football League, this guy went from being an idiot to a genius overnight. A second-rounder for DeAndre Hopkins, and you traded away a running back that you were going to have to cut anyhow and eat that salary? You're kidding me, right? Like, you want to talk about brilliant like that's like I, I know that brilliant and football are mutually exclusive events, but come on, like Steve. I'm, here's what I, one thing I appreciate. Like say whatever you want about any general manager in this league. You're all going to make mistakes. That's part of it, right? You're all going to draft the guy that's not going to pan out. For you know the guy just got to the NFL and was overwhelmed by it, right? That that happens all the time. I'll give this to Steve Kime. Find a way to mitigate your mistakes. Like, you took Josh Rosen, you took him with a first-round pick, you realized during the course of that year that he wasn't your guy, you ended up signing a college coach that had worked with a quarterback before that he really liked in Kyler Murray, dump him, move him on, get what you can get for him, we're going in a different direction. I appreciate you making a decision and sticking to your guns on that decision and making the move. And admitting, full well admitting, you don't have to come out and say it, you admitted by the way you, you dealt him, that you made a mistake, but at least you didn't make that mistake and compound that mistake by holding on to a guy that you didn't like for three years or a guy that didn't fit for three years. You made the move and, and you moved on. Good for Steve Kime in that, right? I mean, good for you. I, I can't I, – I don't know what the Houston Texans and Bill O'Brien are doing. I really don't. I, I have no clue. Um, I wish I could tell you, but uh, bottom line <laughs> – uh, bottom line, I have no idea, Mike. How about one more? You re- you ready? You're good for one hey, more? Hey, if you want to keep giving away prizes, let's do it. Right. Um, well, we're only going to give one prize away. Oh, okay. It's going to go to the one that you like, the one Ooh, question you like okay. the best. Um, well, I think I already have it, but if you think you – okay, I'll listen to one more. Here we go. Okay, you're going to listen to one more. All right. Um, will your stinking good green chili be available in Chicago? Uh, no, I, I'm not going to – it may be. You never know. Should but, be. Uh, it should be. Uh, all right. Biggest. Uh, this is a kind of interesting question, Mike. Um, this comes from Jesse A. Um, at the ceiling, who do you uh, who do you compare to Joe uh, Burrow to? Um, like who who is your comparison ceiling wise? Joe Ooh. Burrow to in the NFL? Wow. Well, I, I would. Uh, you know what? I would. Uh, I'm going to give him the ultimate compliment that I I think he has a Brady-like, Breeze-like type ceiling. Because what I saw in college at LSU was someone who is very intelligent, Mm -hmm. knows where to go with the ball, has great pocket awareness, uh, isn't somebody that I think is just a takeoff and run, you know, make something out of nothing happen quarterback. I think he is a tactician within the pocket. He spreads the ball around. Uh, I know he's had he had incredible talent at LSU, but I, 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 I'm not going to diminish the fact that he had what he had around him. When I talk about a guy who I believe had the greatest college football season ever by a quarterback. So I see a lot of the traits when I think of the great quarterbacks out there that that play that kind of style. Yeah, I think he's got that kind of – now, is he the next Breeze, the next Brady? That's ridiculous. But 
I think that his game reminds me a lot of the way these guys play. You? Yeah. Yeah. No, I really, I really like the comparison. I love, um, you know, the uh, like. I would. I. And again, it sounds ridiculous because you know he hasn't played it down or a snap yet, and and so when you start comparing him body type wise and just understanding the game wise you know when i when i say breeze or when i say russell wilson everybody will just be like oh my gosh give me a break yeah i put wilson in there too yeah yeah yeah, but here's what i like Uh, here's what i like about him there's there's two things i like about him obviously the accuracy thing is huge well you know the accuracy you know they were saying that about baker mayfield too and there were a lot of screens a lot of bubble screens a lot of you know middle screens there were a, a lot of easy completions in every game and and the other thing about college that you have to understand is you know what is a tight window in in college football is wide open in the nfl you know what I mean? I mean, what is a tight window in – wait a minute, I think I said that backwards. You know what I'm trying to say. A tight window in college is – no, I think I said it right. It's wide open in the NFL, right? Like a tight window in college is, is completely – Oh, yeah. A, a tight window in, in the NFL, in college you never throw that ball. And in the NFL you're like, oh, no, that's open. you got to throw it. Like in college you're like, oh, I would never throw that, right? So there's a difference between what is open and what is covered. And so – completion percentage I think is is always going to be a little bit higher in the college game because of the nature of of the college the nature of the college game and you don't get a lot of coverages you get a lot of zone stuff and there are a lot of guys that are just wide open so I always take that some of that um, completion percentage with a grain of salt right so I, I'm like, okay, pump your brakes on that. But what I like about Burrow is I like there's two things. One, watch him get off of a frontside read to a backside read almost instantly, meaning he sees what's on the front side, and they've got some type of route combination, right? That they that they've got on the call it a call it a branch concept, right? And he doesn't like the defense against the branch, so he automatically gets back to the backside of whatever it is they're running on the backside buffalo or you know what whatever concept they're running on the backside so he goes front to back instantly you know it's a it's a stick route combination on the front side going to a spacing route combination on the backside and he sees the front side and goes i don't like it bam get it to my guy that's sitting over the ball get it to my basic route that's that's coming you know coming across the in the middle of the field that's wide open so to watch him go from front side to backside quickly, that translates well the next to the next level. That translates well to the National Football League. The other thing is, Mike, and I think this can't be stated enough, he's a good athlete. I'm not worried about, you know, taking off and running and being a great athlete in that regard. Um, his pocket presence, the way he slides, the way he feels, the way he manipulates the pocket is Brady-esque, is Drew Brees-esque. Um, like, he has got that ability. And that is almost, in my mind, that's almost instinctual. That is something that you, you either have or you don't have. Your ability to feel it without looking at it, keep your eyes down the field, manipulate it, slide in, out, up, down, whatever the case may be, and then deliver a strike, he has got that. 
And I think that's the most inc- – that's scrambling within the pocket. Yep. And you don't have to be a 4-4 guy or a 4-7 guy. You know, we get enamored. Oh, you know, uh, A. Bear or Herbert or whatever the hell his name is. Ran a 4-6-8-40, man. He's awesome. Nah, let's, you know, let's pipe down. Um, so, anyhow, that's kind of where I'm going. All right. We well, need to pick a winner. All right, well, tell me who you like. I like the question because it, it is maybe the biggest debate going around. Was it Brady? Was it Belichick? Yeah. So I like the who wins more, the Bucks or the Patriots. Right, that's Luis Garcia. Luis Garcia, I am going to reach out to you via uh, Twitter and um, and get your – I'll direct message you, get your uh, mailing address, and we will send you out a $75 gift pack from um, ARC sponsor, Sweet Sweat. So for everybody involved in the Stink Truth podcast, for all you people out there that uh, reached out to us, we really appreciate you. For our, our presenting sponsor, Sweet Sweat, also Mark's All Pros, uh, the best referral network out there. We're building it right now as we speak. That's Mark's All Pros. For Mike, myself, for Scott, we thank you guys, and we'll be back with you next week.